Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Farewell Evangelion. This is the series where we go through each part of the Evangelion series bit by bit. My name is Keith, who is going through for his last time, and as always, I'm joined by Peter. Hello! Who is going through for his first. Today we watch the first half of Neon Genesis Evangelion 2.0, You Cannot Advance. This episode first came out in January 20th of 2011. Under constant attack by angels, Nerve introduces two new pilots, the mysterious Makinami Mari, illustrious, and the intense Asuka Langley Shikinami. Parallel to the incursion, Gendo Akari and Sile proceed with a secret project involving both Rei and Shinji. So, how do you think your predictions went? Although, obviously, they haven't come true yet, but that being said, we're only halfway through the movie, so there's still time for my predictions to come true. Uh, and we stop at the title cards in the movies if you want to follow along. Otherwise, that's essentially when all the dinner invitations are going out. Yeah, so Asuka just received her dinner invitation from Rey, essentially, and then it cuts to black, and that's where we stop. So there is definitely still time for them both to die. Uh, I have some revisions, but I will hold my revisions until the very end of uh, this podcast when we do our predictions. And that's when I will inform you of my revised predictions for the second half of the movie. Sounds good. So then, open up with a very cheerful Aiden pilot, which is fucking weird if I'm being honest. But then again, it's the beginning of her arc, so presumably she's cheerful, bad things will happen, and her emotional state will plummet. <laughs> Mari Makinami Illustrious, the new character. Yeah. Who we see in two situations in this movie so far. But she's clearly doing something in the area. And a new character to the franchise went, like, completely. Yeah. Same with the provisional Unit 5, which the last time we saw an Ava Unit 5 was an End of Evangelion. It was one of the mass production units. So we're already seeing a kind of change to the Evangelions in play. We know yeah. 6 is also being built on the moon, which also was a mass production Ava in the original. Yeah, these two do not appear to be a mass production Ava's like the rest. These seem to be provisional. Well, 5 is provisional, 6 seems to be something else. It might be a normal Ava. I can't tell. I haven't seen what Ava's being constructed looks like before, but this one just looks like they slapped a fucking mask on the front of a regular-ass angel. Well, it's got the armor on it, too. Yeah, I guess. Um, Karu's still up on the moon doing shit. Clearly not a human, because they, like, even Gendo and Futsuki, when they're on the moon and they see Unit 6, they see Karu sitting on his finger, and Futsuki's like, ah, look, a boy. Wait, no, that can't be. He's not in a suit or something. I don't remember exactly what he said. In fact, he's topless. Yeah, there's a topless boy. I don't... Was he, to... Was he topless? Yeah, he only had pants on. Ah, yes, there's a topless boy out there. Gendo, look, you'll like this. Wait, no, that doesn't make sense. Why is he topless on the moon? Uh, so clearly, being able to breathe on the moon, not a natural phenomenon, which means that there's clearly something going on with Kara And for those of us who have watched the other series before this... He's presumably an angel of some sort. Uh, also the fact that Gendo and Futsuki, who are inside a spaceship, are also fully decked up in spacesuits. Yeah, additional helpful information. Yeah, nope. Something's clearly going on with Kaoru, and he's probably not an angel this time. He's probably actual god this time around or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think the, the, one of the important things we find out here is that the moon apparently has a nerve base on it that Sile specifically controls. Yeah, it's got a specific Sile moon base where they were developing... Uh, and Ava, as well as Kaoru. Well, not developing Kaoru. Kaoru was just existing up there. There was still a string of coffins before Kaoru, but we didn't see the coffins this time around, so that's probably not an issue anymore. Yeah, just the blood splatter. Don't worry about it. Just a big streak of blood on the moon. Um, what else did we see? We saw something else really on the moon, other than the fact that Gendo and Fiyotsuki were explicitly refused from landing on the moon. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, jumping back a little bit, uh, Mari fought against the third angel, which we now get to see what the third angel was. Now, uh, this is something I'm going to tell you right here, just to get out of the way. Since the angels only get number designations in this one, there sometimes is a lot of confusion created about which angels are which, in a sense. This is the third angel now, but Satya was the third in the original run. The popular uh, thing is to call this angel a new angel entirely called Tunniel. Because he lived in a tunnel? <laughs> and you add the eel from all the other angels. Yeah. So yeah. the fan name is Tunniel. But if you look at the design of this one, uh, Kaji ends up mentioning that they were experimenting on it. So it's all pretty much bone at this point, and then the core. Yeah. Uh, if you look closely, you'll notice it has an entry plug in, on it as well. I did notice the entry plug. It, like, it almost looked like it was hanging from its neck or something. Yeah, so it looks like they were experimenting with piloting angels, I guess, in a sense, instead of just Ava's. See, what I thought when I... I had a flashback... Well, not even a flashback, that's a weird way to call it. I had a thought when I saw it, or something that Ava reminded me of, uh, which you played through the Mass Effect series, right? Yeah. It, for whatever reason, very much reminded me of the Human Reaper from the end of Mass Effect 2. That is what I thought of when I saw this thing. Well, uh, what would you say if this is most likely an angel we've seen in the original run? Keep in mind, it's a skeleton now. I'm trying to think of any angels we saw in the original run who might have gotten skeletonized. Skeletonized is not a verb, I'm aware. It is uh, now. It is now. Um... I, if you say that, then I'll shrug and accept... Based on, I don't know if I shared my new theory for, because when we finished watching, uh, or finished recording our last episode of Rebo, we watched the trailer for 2.22. Yeah. Uh, and I shared my new revised theory for what's going on with Rebuild. Yeah. Um, so I guess I could share that theory now. But based on that theory, it would make sense that this was an original angel from the originals, uh, Neon Genesis, Ava and Galilee. Well, uh, just to clarify, I'm not saying it's an angel literally from the yes. original run, but it's the same angel we've already seen before, and that one is Gagiel. If you look at the shape of it and where the core is, it's right in the mouth where Gagiel's would have been. And Asuka wasn't introduced fighting Gagiel this time. The new girl was. Yeah, so it looks like the Gagiel was found sooner than it appeared in the original run and was experimented on. Now, this could be incorrect and it could be an entirely new concept as an angel, but based on the design, even though angels can change their shapes, Minor differences could be explained away by that fact, that this one's on land instead of in water, so it needed the little leg things to walk. Yeah. But its general shape and that the core is located in its mouth, it very much resembles Gagiel. Yeah, But that's fair. for the most part, the fan community, it's Tunniel. Of course, it's Tunniel. Uh, so now I'm going to share what my theory is for uh, rebuild of Evangelion slash everything else. So, uh, essentially my theory boils down to this is Groundhog's Day, essentially, or uh, a time loop, however you want to think of it, think of your favorite movie, that is Groundhog Day. <laughs> your favorite movie, of course. Uh, and essentially, after instrumentality ended at the end of End of Ava, oh god, the end of End of Ava, <laughs> uh, and Shinji woke up on the beach, and Asuka also woke up on the beach, and everything was done, the world was a place now, all the seas were red. Essentially, something happened that caused the loop to start over again, and now we're watching it through again, but it's not the same story anymore. It's chronologically a different story, but following the same events, and theoretically after, but somehow because of time shenanigans before. Uh, main reason for this is because I have some advanced knowledge, and I know that the fourth Rebuild movie is called 3.0 plus 1.0, which would make sense if the first three movies of the Rebuild series 
are essentially a retelling, and then fourth one is it's starting a third loop, so it's now that 3.0 plus a new 1.0 going on after the end of the original rebuild, which was the, after the end of the original Neon Genesis. Uh, it's a time loop, is what I'm trying to say. It's a time <laughs> loop, and I don't know what's going to break the loop, or there's a reason things are slightly different this time, and it's because it's not the same story, it's a slightly different story, because things happened that changed what happened the first time around, because it's different, because time. There you go. I know that was very poorly phrased, but that's my favorite. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so going back to the actual plot of this movie, and not my bad shit crazy theory. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's Mari is fighting to stop the escape of Tunniel uh, as it's leaving the base. Uh, she's using Provisional Unit 5, which is kind of like an Ava, Ava Torso waist, like, waist up. Yeah. And then like machinery that are like wheels and like platforms below. So it rides through the tunnel just like Tunniel, and it's more of gliding instead of walking. Yeah. And uh, she seems uh, to be having a blast fighting this. Yeah, her arms are clearly made out of some form of like scrap metal or something, because she makes a point about how they're falling to pieces at the first sign of an angel. Yeah, essentially, this unit was more of forcefully scrapped together instead of actually fully produced. That's why it's the provisional unit. And so it was kind of a necessity needed last minute instead of actually a full fledged Ava, essentially. Yeah, uh, which seems a little bit foolish, because I feel like. If I was experimenting on an angel underground, I wouldn't assume that would always go well, and I would probably make a point of having a fully functional Ava in the vicinity just in case things go wrong with the <laughs> angel we're currently experimenting on. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Mari ends up defeating the angel, but at the cost of the Ava unit as well, because of the self-destruct. And Kaji introduced here, explaining the whole concept, and then just kind of does his thing from his original run introduction, where someone's saving the day and he just takes off on a fighter jet. Yeah. Um... Which leads to another key difference, well not key difference, but another significant difference from the original Neon Genesis uh, series, which is that in the original Neon Genesis series, we see that Kaji had been spending some time with Asuka, so Asuka had developed a relationship with Kaji. Yeah, essentially the same of, as Misato and Shinji, where Sh Misato was taking direct control, uh, care of Shinji. Kaji was assigned for that for Asuka, but this clearly didn't happen as much. Yeah. She, she doesn't even care about Kaji. Yeah, she used to have a huge dependence and like value of self-worth based on her relationship with Kaji. This time around, fuck it, Kaji exists, sure, why she not? She didn't even want to go to the trip that Kaji organized. Yeah, Kaji organized the trip, Misato said she wasn't going, and rather than being like, good, that means I hit Kaji to myself, it was like, nah, fuck, if you're not going, then I don't have to go, I'm not going on the trip with Kaji. Like, clearly some significant differences in the character there as well. Um, going back a little bit to Mari some more, uh, not only is Mari, like, singing and having a blast, like, as she's getting injured by the Ava, she's talking about how, I don't care that it hurts, I'm having such a fucking fun time. And then, while Kaji's flying away, he makes a comment about how it feels kind of bad that adults are clearly taking advantage of kids and using them as sacrifices to get what they want. But then Mari, after ejecting from her Ava and, like, standing in the middle of the blood-red ocean, just, like, with no one around, just makes a comment about how, it's kind of weird how kids are so clearly taking advantage of adults to get exactly what they want. Well, she said the exact same thing when she was flipping. She's like, I feel bad kind of uh, taking advantage of adults for my own means. <laughs> Which is piloting Amos. <laughs> yeah. There's clearly some shit going on with Barry. Yeah. Uh, now, this probably should have been safer fun fact. I'm just going to mention now. Anno did not create Mari as a character for this franchise. Does that mean she was created for another franchise? Or no, she was made for Evangelion. It's just the studio and not so much Anno? Not the studio, it was someone else who was working on the series with them. But Anno specifically did not want to make this character. Not as in like he didn't want them in the series. 
uh, I'll go back into it, fun facts a bit more detail, but just as we talked through this until that point, to keep in mind that Anna specifically wanted another person on, in the group to make this character that he had no influence on. Okay. Alright. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that when we get to fun facts. Um, scenes are a little bit different this time around. Yeah. Angels we haven't seen, well, I, I say we haven't seen before, but based on how they start to take a bit of, well, not liberties, that sounds harsh, but they're doing different interpretations of the same angels. I don't know what the fuck that I, giant ice walker thing was. <laughs> so that one, as well, has a fan name. Do you want to take a guess at what it's called? No idea. Clock Eel. Because he looks like a clockwork angel. Yeah, of course. Clock Eel. So what's up with Clock Eel? Tell me about Clock Eel here, Keith. Uh, so this is kind of going into what your office is going to come up when we talk about Seiki later. Is that some of the angels have changed and they're different power levels compared to what they used to be. Uh, for Clock Eel, it's basically Matarail. Yeah, the for, one that cried into the open pit and dropped acid. But uh, a big difference is, you might have caught on to this, because this is the angel that is Asuka's introduction. Instead of Gagil, it's this one now, the seventh angel. Yeah. Um, she blows off the head with a false core, and the real core was hidden underneath it. Yeah. R ringing bells? Is this kind of like the, uh, the clone one that split in two and had one core that she destroyed in no, this one is Laleel. The shadow one? The direct sack? Oh, yeah. Because the ball on the other end, which was... a whole fake... Uh, it was actually the shadow, not the angel itself. The shadow was And the it looked just like Laleel. Yeah. So when it flips around, it becomes the actual core. So this one looks to be an amalgamation of Laleel and Madariel. Fair. The direct sack this time, I guess. We have no way of countering Big Dick Shinji when he shows up. <laughs> He's unstoppable now. Um, but yeah, Asuka ends up just... Well, we actually start off with Shinji at the graveyard uh, with the mother. And yeah. we get the whole thing between him and Gen, which is pretty much beat for beat the exact same. It's slightly different connotations this time around. Like, Shinji seems less so... Like, when Shinji talks about how he had a good time talking with Father this time around, in the original series, it was just like... It seemed like Shinji was staring for attention and just wanted to be like, This was fun, let's do it again, right? Yeah, let's do it again! Sometimes that... Whereas this time it seemed like Shinji just was like, yeah, no, this was fun, Dad, okay, thank you, let's go now. Like, he didn't seem as desperate for his yeah. Gendo's attention this time around. Which, for us, uh, coming from 1.11, Shinji's a bit more confident as connections, as in, for example, Misato's the one who's driving it back and forth, and he's not just fucking walking there, where yeah. he walks everywhere. Yeah. And it's on that drive back when the angel attacks, and Asuka gets dropped in, and before even hitting the ground, defeats this angel. Yeah, she... While dropping from the sky, grabs a shotgun, gets it knocked out of her hands by Clockheel, manages to, like, navigate Clockheel's attacks to get back to the gun, shoots its fake core, shoots its real core, and then, like, kicks it in the core and kills it. Yeah. Kicks it in the core. Kicks it right in the core. <laughs> Which he does to later to say kill too. Yeah. Well, so it starts off with Asuka being very convinced of she's fantastic, which is pretty close to how Asuka was introduced the first time around. It's, I'm the best... My Ava's the best because it's a full combat Ava, not a prototype or a test Ava. It's a full, full ready-to-go Ava. Fuck you guys and all your efforts. Um, unfortunately, we don't get her standing on the deck of a ship while the wind gusts her skirt up and causes her to beat the shit out of Shinji. Instead, she just oh, attacks him. Uh, oh, yeah, she beats the shit out of Toji. And this time, she just attacks Shinji for being a coattail rider this time around. Yeah. Also, uh... 
the change to Asuka is she's now Asuka Langley Shikinami. Yeah, she's Soryu. Soryu. Uh, and on top of that, she's also a captain in the British Air Force. Yep. Or no, not the British, the German? Uh, German, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there are some differences this time around. There are very big and obvious differences, and there are the smaller, subtler differences. So yes, uh, Asuka does still seem to have the personality she had the first time around, though, of her being better than everyone else. To the point where, when she moves into Shinji and Misato's apartment, she just straight up tells Shinji, You're fired, I'm taking your room, you can move out now, get your shit out of my room now. Um, which is fair. Shinji probably should be fired. <laughs> I mean, he's actually doing good well. Like, the whole right. thing is that he's like, how dare you not be ready to at a moment's notice be in your Evangelion when you were visiting your mother's grave. Yeah, to be fair, I'm not saying he should be fired for job performance. I'm saying he should be fired because of his personality. He's just a detriment to everyone he works with. He's real bummer. Um, except not really. This time around, he's actually seems to be a lot more confident in himself and his connections. As he said, like, he's taken to not only cooking lunch or, like, cooking all the food in the apartment for Misato, but he's regularly making lunch for himself, for Asuka, for Rei, for Toji and Kensuke at least once. Like, he is clearly more... putting more effort into his relationships with the people around him. Yeah. Like an idiot. <laughs> That's shitty deal. Alright, we get to see that uh, while the oceans are all red now, there's a small sanctuary where they're recreating the blue ocean, making fish live. Yeah, this is a bit of the in-between thing that ends up happening, where it's they're kind of showing off that the world is more affected than what it previously was, and that they're trying to save the sea life. Because before we saw in the opening, when uh, Satchel appears in the original run, we see that there's sea life in the water. Yeah. And in this one, Kaji's like, yeah, sea life is like, fucking gone. Like, yeah, this is the last one. Yeah, can't live in the water. We can't release these fish out into the greater ocean. They could not survive in that red water. It's the whole reason that it doesn't smell like the sea. And like Shinji makes a comment about how the seawater smells worse. It's like, I kind of get that. Uh, having grown up by the ocean, I am used to the smell and find it quite pleasant. But I can understand how it might not be pleasant to Shinji, who's used to water not smelling like anything. And now if it starts smelling like the ocean... Yeah, I can see how that'd be unpleasant. But yeah, no, that's what living ocean smells like and not just dead water. Yeah, just LCL water. Yeah, LCL water all across the entire fucking ocean. But this is a trip that's kind of put on by Kaji to pretty much show the children what the world was like and the importance of life, in a sense. Yeah, teaching them the stakes of it's not just them or humanity's life at stakes. It's if the third impact occurs, it's going to kill probably all life on Earth, not just their own life. Yeah. Now, of course, before this, there's a we get the introduction of Kaji to Shinji, though, which happens at the train station, which is yeah. a really good one, where at first off, he's just asking for directions, and she's like, oh, sure, of course, it's that way. And he's like, oh, but Sato's not with you. He's like, what are you talking about? It's like, let's just say, you're not the only one that knows what she wears when she sleeps. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, what the fuck? Shinji! And he, like, he doesn't give the finger guns, but I can't not picture him giving finger guns while he's saying that to Shinji. I mean, I'm pretty sure I saw him giving finger guns as he walked over to the train station. He might have been giving finger guns. Uh, we're gonna go with he was giving finger guns, since we both remember him giving finger guns. <laughs> I don't remember it any differently. Um, he put down the suitcase, gave finger guns, walked away, and waited until Shinji was gone so he'd come back and pick up the suitcase. Uh, 
So that's the first time, uh, that's Shinji's first interaction with Kaji. Shinji's yep. second interaction with Kaji is on that school trip. But Shinji's third interaction with Kaji, that's where things get interesting. Because that's Kaji just straight up asking Shinji out on a date. And Shinji getting really uncomfortable with the process. Yeah, Shinji does the same thing as, but I'm a guy. And he's like, oh, uh, don't you know that love or affection is sexless? Yeah, it's gender blind. It doesn't care yeah. if you're a girl or a guy. I can still love you. And he goes in to kiss, and then just cuts away to, like, this loud scream just echoing through Nerve HQ. Yeah. Shinji being a coward, of course. Not willing to acknowledge his feelings for Kaji. Because let's be honest, everyone has feelings for Kaji. It's true. Uh, so that's what's going on with Shinji, uh, and Kaji. Uh, is there anything else beyond the other angel fight? I feel like there's something fun. So there was also, uh, Kaji dropping off the key of Nebuchadnezzar right, to Gendo, yes. which is I, instead of the embryo of Adam. Yeah, so he has the whole case. I even turned to you while this was half when he first picked up the case. It's like, oh, so that's Adam, eh? And you <laughs> didn't acknowledge me in the slightest because you're a bastard, man. Uh, and then he... Drops out the case, starts talking about how it's the connection between humans and angels, and I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, this is Adam here, this is this is what's going down, and then he opens it up, and it doesn't look like Adam, it looks like a fucking key card or something, and it's like, this is the key of Nebuchadnezzar. The god of dreams. God of dreams, or whatever. And Or the he, ship that Morpheus pilots. Up to you. He says that, and I feel confusion in my bones. Um, That's definitely not where you should be feeling confusion. That might be uh, like a medical problem. It might be confusion. It might be cancer. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what the two feel like. Joke to me. <laughs> uh, anyways, I yeah. was just impressed you never know what confusion feels like. I've never been confused before, Keith, which is weird because we made it this far in the series without <laughs> me feeling confusion, I guess. Keith just understood everything. Uh, yeah, right up until the key of Nebuchadnezzar, everything made sense to <laughs> But yeah, it's the exact scene, pretty much play for play, even dialogue-wise, but instead of it being Adam's embryo that gets revealed in the case, it's the key of Nebuchadnezzar. Its significance unknown. Which is interesting. Which but it's crucial to the plan. Uh, this is another one of those key differences. It explains perhaps why Kaji wasn't with Oscar. Because the whole reason Kaji was, the, was with Oscar the first time around wasn't to be with Oscar, but was presumably to collect the uh, ab- embryo of Adam. Like, yes, he was also looking after her. I'm willing to bet his main goal there was the embryo of Adam, and this time around, because the embryo of Adam isn't with Asuka, he doesn't have to look after her so she doesn't build up that relationship. And an angel doesn't attack the convoy that's going, because yeah, there's no reason to. Because it was going after the embryo, it wasn't going after anything else. And instead, he's going after the key of Nebuchadnezzar, which is in the same base as fucking Mari and Taniel, so perhaps... He has, well, we already know he was on the phone with uh, Mari initially before taking off, so perhaps Mari will have that bit of a relationship with Kaji. Based on her personality so far, I don't think she's going to be as in love with Kaji as Asuka <laughs> was, but I do suspect she'll have more relationship with Asuka. Well, who knows? <laughs> we either will or will not see what happens. It's one of the two. Usually is. Yep. So yeah, that... He of... Uh, and then we have the big fight with, um... Well, there, there's one other thing that we should probably talk about as well, which is during the trip to the water filtration facility... Well, first off, the funny thing about when they were going through the facility for being uh, sanitized to go in, everyone's freaking out, but Ray's just stoic oh, in yes. the background the whole way. Yeah, every face, it's like them getting blasted with jets of water. Everyone's like, ah! Uh, for those of you who aren't watching the video form of this podcast, because it doesn't exist, I jerked my body backwards aggressively while making that sound effect <laughs> in case it didn't come across clear. 
Uh, but no, Ray is just stoically standing perfectly still, like, yes, just another Tuesday. <laughs> which we see later, she's just hanging out in tubes. Yep. Which uh, goes, uh, I think it was a good, like, there's two things that they did to Ray here, which I think was really good, which was her acknowledging that she's pretty much efficient at a tank yeah. to Shinji, but at the same time, the thing that she's vegetarian. Yeah. Which I thought was a nice touch, because literally all meat-based life is essentially born of her, so it'd be, even though it might not be Ray's direct intention of not eating meat, and I think she's probably had meat, and it felt weird, so that's why she doesn't eat meat, because yeah, it's, it's like, like eating it, my child. Yeah, it's like eating her children with extra steps. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I could see why, same reason she probably wouldn't eat Shinji, because it's like eating her child with extra steps. Um, so yeah, Ray being a vegetarian... I, I agree, that is a nice touch. Uh, but the, uh, the scene I wanted to specifically talk about, because I saw some looks from you when it was happening, and that was Kaji telling about Misato's events at the uh, second impact. Right, yeah. No, fuck. Oh, God, that, that scene happened, didn't it? So, Kaji is explaining to Shinji that the reason Misato, or well, Misato also hates her father, and it's because her father was involved with Baron that's why she works with Baron Was distant. <laughs> yeah, and he died during the second impact, and then it, like, as he's describing it, we see flashes of it, and there's a couple things that happen during this flash. So one of the things that happens is we see what looks like a black orb leaving the Earth during the impact, so what the fuck's that about? Um, and another thing we see is we see, like, four or five spears of Longinus, and not just the one sphere of Longinus <laughs> that should be on Earth right now. <laughs> What's going on, Keith? <laughs> what about the four figures of light? Right, yeah, there was also four figures of light. What's going on here, Keith? <laughs> well, we're not a question period yet, Peter. Alright, so skipping past the rest of this podcast, let's go to the questions. What's going on here, We Keith? still have quite a bit to cover before we get to questions. I know, we gotta talk about fucking, what's the angel's name with the sky that drops on Tokyo 3? So, kind of in the same vein, uh, this one, for the most part, is Seikyo. Uh, doesn't ever get named Seikyo, it's yeah, merely... Yeah, angels in this run yeah, This one's merely the eighth angel. Yeah. But, uh, this one has a few other, uh, interesting aspects to it. Uh, one you might have noticed is, uh, on the eye, uh, the... The fins that come out. Yeah. The eyelash parts, uh, they look exactly like Ipresil. Yeah. The one that's what's so... And they're kind of, like, swinging back and forth. Yay! I did notice that, yeah. Yeah, because, uh, this fight had influences of... That fight where all three of them had to work through it, it took out the dance like you want to win aspect yeah. of it. Took out the fact that Asuka's the thing that's holding back the teamwork between Asuka and Shinji. Yeah. Although, she seems to take it a little bit better in yeah. <laughs> this one than she does in the other ones. So, this one's kind of an amalgamation of Seikyul and Ipresil. Uh And a little bit of. Uh, darn, uh, the name is slipping my mind, but the, one, the computer virus one? Oh, uh. I, I remember his name meant Terror, I just forget exactly. Yeah, the God of Terror is how I know it. Yeah. But the part that comes out of the bottom and grabs on the Shinji looks very much like the corrupted body from uh, that part of the original. Yeah, I can see that. So it's got a few elements of multiple angels in it, in a sense. Yeah. But the one it is most uh, reminiscent of is Seikyo. Yeah, and that's oh. why this one, instead of having a fancy name like the other ones, because ultimately it just looks like a redesigned Seikyo, everyone just called it Seikyo. Yeah. Uh, so... Similar idea to the Seheikyo fight is this thing's plummeting towards their HQ. They don't know exactly where it's going to land, so they need all of the different Avas out in the field ready to catch this before it hits the ground. Uh, 
It doesn't work out exactly like the original time, though, because in the original time, yeah, that was enough. Catching Seheikyo, and then, like, while the all three of them are holding it, Shinji pulls out his frog and stabs it in its eye, and then it's dead. Yeah. There you go, you win. Not quite what happened this time. So, first of all, Shinji does catch it on his own, just like the original, uh, and then it immediately starts fucking up Shinji and, like, launching a rocket booster on its ass to try to push <laughs> Shinji into the ground. Uh, and then, uh, Asuka runs up, she's the second one to get there, she tries to stab it at the core immediately, but uh, its core isn't a traditional core, it's very reminiscent of one of those cat toys where you have a ball inside a track, yeah. and the ball starts <laughs> spinning around the track, uh, so she can't quite stab it to destroy the core, uh, and realizes she only has 30 seconds left, and so instead of doing anything about it, just fucking panics about, I can't do this on my own anymore, what the fuck am I supposed to do? While there's another person there, she's already complaining about how she I mean, can't do it. I mean, Ray ends up grabbing it. Yeah, Ray does end up grabbing it, holding it in place, and that's when Asuka does destroy it. But it's just very amusing to me of Asuka like being like, "No, I got this on my own," and he's just like, "No, nah, this is a team effort. This has to be a team effort. This is not a one-on-one fight." And Asuka's like, "You're saying you don't trust me? I got this on my own." Only for Asuka to immediately not got it on her own and immediately start going down that very steep downward spiral of I don't have this on my own. Yeah. Like, yes, they defeated, but fuck, does she plummet quickly yeah, with her right. mental state. Ray catches it, Asuka stabs it, and then she kicks it in the core, as Asuka does. Yeah. Uh, and then we also find out that while Shinji has been making meals for everyone else, Ray decides to ask, so this is after the fight. Uh, oh, well, one thing about the sequel fight I, I do want to mention, as you mentioned too earlier, Shinji's not the one that gets the killing blow on this one, so... This one doesn't seem to be Asuka getting angry at Shinji for always being the important one. It's more of she couldn't do it on her own seems to be the problem that she comes. But she doesn't take that horribly because we then get the scene where she sneaks into Shinji's bed afterwards. And they have like the, the talk, uh, yeah, about talk about their motivations. And she actually seems like not angry at Shinji. Like she yeah. actually takes his answer pretty seriously. Though she can't show like, oh, that's uh, understandable. She's like, oh, you really are an idiot then. Yeah, <laughs> but she's, she's taking it much better. Yeah, she's like, since you already called me that, stop calling me... Uh, Shinikami and start calling me Asuka, and I'll stop calling you Coattails and start calling you Idiot Shinji. That, I mean, it is a step in the right direction. It has his name in the name. We're back to the status quo of the original. <laughs> but yeah, uh, effectively, Asuka seems to have taken it more of a I'm bad. Uh, I mean, less as a, I'm a bad at this thing, and more of I need to rely on others in a sense. Which is hopefully a good lesson for her to take, and hopefully she doesn't spiral so quickly in the future. She'll be moving faster than that cat toy inside Zekiel. Yeah, she... <laughs> um, so yeah, Sh uh, Shinji has taken it upon himself to start cooking lunches for kind of everyone in town, it's starting to look like. Um, Can't and, you wait for that final scene when Shinji opens up a restaurant? Yeah, that's actually... Hopefully that's actually what the, like, during instrumentality when we see, this is another possible reality that could have existed, instead of it being... Shinji running with a piece of toast in his mouth or whatever the fuck it was from the original. <laughs> well, it was Ray, but... Uh, Ray running with a piece of toast in his mouth. <laughs> That's it. It's the exact same, but now it's Shinji with the toast. No, I hope this time around it's just Shinji running a restaurant. No talk of school, no other characters, just Shinji on his own running a restaurant. <laughs> or what if it's, you know, at the big end of the game moment where Ray's like, what do you wish for? Shinji's like, actually, I always wanted to have a restaurant on my own. Yeah. Him using godlike powers. He just... Creates a restaurant for him to run. The last 20 minutes are like of the movie is just him sitting there like doing paperwork for the restaurant. Yeah. Because unfortunately he didn't use his godlike power 
to create other humans to act as customers at his restaurant, so there's no actual cooking to be done. It's just the behind-the-scenes business manager. <laughs> Apparently, Ray is the equivalent of an evil genie in this one. Yeah, of course. Oh, God. Fuck. Um, so, yeah, Shinji has been cooking food for everyone, and, uh, Austin is, like, super angry when at first eating her food, talking about how she's not even going to share with anyone else this is her food. Immediately sees Shinji also providing food to Ray, she's like, now, nah, fuck it, I don't want this anymore. And that's when the competition starts. I call it a competition. Ray is not trying to compete. Ray just wants to cook food for Shinji and his father. Er, yeah, she wants to actually bridge the gap that they're having, so she has that whole moment where it's like, hey, Gendo. Will you have dinner with Shinji and everyone else? And he's like, I'm so busy. And then she, like, morphs into Yui. And he's like, of course, dear. Yeah. Well, it's also... But she, like, lays the trap for him and, like, taking steps. She's like, do you like eating dinner? Yes. Do you like eating dinner with other people? Yes. Do you like when other people cook meals for you to eat with other people? Yes. Do you want to eat a meal that I cooked for you and Shinji? No. <laughs> Look at all the evidence we led Shinji. Also, I'm now your wife. Okay, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Damn, she really got me in that last part. <laughs> it's funny enough how binary that conversation is to realize it's Rey and Gendo, probably two of the most robotic people through the franchise. Yeah, 100%. Got him in the old binary trap. But yeah, so it's that's what's going on in Rey's head. And what's going on in Asuka's head is, fuck it, I'll win Shinji's affections and defeat Rey once and for all by cooking him a hot pot. <laughs> and, but not admitting that's what I'm doing. I'm actually cooking it for another girl at school. While tasting and saying, nah, idiot Shinji would like much blander food than this. But people like food and how I would describe them. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> so yeah, then we get the... She like, definitely hits Sundere a lot harder in this. Yeah, she hit it pretty fucking hard. I'm looking forward to the scene where she kisses Shinji while holding his nose closed. And when he gasps for air afterwards, she kicks the shit out <laughs> of him. She just snaps his neck yeah. right there. Actually, I guess that's more Andy, right? Yeah, I suppose so. Anyways, um, so this is around the time that we're also finding out from Misato and Ritsuko that Asuka, not Asuka, Ray has started handing out invitations to everyone in town except for Shinji. Because uh, it's a secret. Because yeah. he's like, oh, what happened to your hands? He's like, oh, I'll tell you later. It's a secret. I'll tell you when I am better at the skill and less likely to cut my hands. <laughs> Which, when we get the little scene in her apartment of her getting ready, because the apartment is, like, horrifying and dark, she just picks up the knife and is like, oh, this this is the beginning of a serial killer. Yeah, it does not look, like, through context, you're able to tell she's about to start cooking food. If you just watch that one scene on your own, she's about to go all American Psycho and start cutting up a hooker into pieces to more <laughs> easily dispose of the body. Oh no, she got a taste for flesh! <laughs> oh god. Um, so yeah, uh, Ray has started cooking, has given invitations to everyone except for Shinji because she wants it to be a surprise for Shinji. Um, and she's also not concerned about Asuka whatsoever because it's not a competition. and gives her one. Yeah. Uh, because... Ray isn't competing. Asuka's absolutely competing with Ray. Ray is not competing in the slightest with Asuka. Yeah. Which is a pretty friendly relationship. <laughs> Much like the Shinji Asuka relationship, it's one sided. Yes. Kind of starting to feel like every single one of Asuka's relationships is one sided because that was also the Asuka Kaju uh, relationship from NGE. Yeah. It's always just one sided. <laughs> uh, so, with this, there's only really one more big scene I can think of worth talking about before we move on, but. Uh, Mari getting to Japan. Right, yes, her parachuting on top of Shinji. Yeah. And then be like, ah, you smell like LCL. Well, first of all, talking English in front of him, much to his confusion. Yeah, but it's uh, secretly infiltrating Japan in Tokyo 3. 
Yeah, then her commenting on the fact that he smells like LCL, saying, Alright, nerve doggy, let's keep this a secret, and then just walking the fuck away. Good time. She says, oh, you're, you're pretty interesting. Keep this a secret between us, and then just leaves Yep. Uh, another minor detail we should talk about. Um, you were probably going to bring it up in fun facts. Maybe not, I don't know. I, I might be ruining all of your fun right now. Um, <laughs> not my facts! Not your facts! <laughs> No, uh, after the fight with Sehekiel slash Angel 8? Is it 8? Yeah, Sehekiel be 8. Um, yeah, after the fight with the 8th Angel, uh, the NERV employees are talking about how costly it is to repair the different, uh, robot, robots, box, sorry, the different Avas, which are not quite aliens, but they are birthed from the aliens, whatever. They're alien clones decked out in cool armor. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so, uh, talking about the Angel... Gotcha. Talking about the Avas and how complicated it is to fix them, how they're running out of parts, and so they're going to prioritize fixing Unit 1. But they also mentioned the Vatican Accords, or Vatican Va Treaty. Venice Accords. Vatican Treaty. Vatican Treaty. Uh, and also about how no country's allowed to have more than three Avas. Yep. I was going to bring this up with facts, but <laughs> there we are, can talk about now. There are four pilots in the country right now, and they're only allowed to have three Avas. And based on my understanding of how Avas work, Four op pilots cannot successfully pilot three different Avas. One of those Avas is getting taken out of commission to give Mario a chance to pilot an Ava. Then they're just going to start breaking the Vatican Treaty. Yeah, so essentially the Vatican Treaty was set up to limit the power of Evangelions. Uh, so that's why no country's allowed to have more than one. Uh, which kind of, it's a better way of explaining why the Avas were built all around the world yeah. from the original run. Although there was a point where they had four active Evangelions in the anime series. To be fair, they were only testing before, and it never was, like, actively in use, because it got corrupted immediately. That's fair. But yeah, it's, I think it, this does a good job of explaining why, if the angels are only attacking Tokyo 3, why are they all over the goddamn world? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, essentially, as they state... They can't really have more of active, but there seems to be discourse about it. It's like, we're protecting humanity. Why do you want to put limits on what we can do? Yeah. Uh, so also, Ava Unit 6 is being built on the moon. I wish to believe the moon is now a country. If it is, that means they can build two more Avas up there. <laughs> or maybe it's not a country, and that's why we saw like seven different fucking caskets. Maybe they're building, because it's technically not a country, there's no limit to the number of Avas that can exist on the moon. I like this. <laughs> the actual final act of uh, rebuild. Yeah, I, I'm sticking with my theory of the fact that 3.33 is going to be the end of the loop and then 4 is going to be the start of a new loop. The final act of 3.33 is going to involve them going to the moon and it's going to be like uh, that terrible fucking Transformers Dark Side of the Moon movie where like the crust is going to shift and like Armies of Avas are going to stand up like, we have all the Avas! And be like hundreds of Avas just across the surface of the moon was an Ava the whole time! I feel like you could be joking or you could actually be spoiling things for me, but because you said it with the tone of a joke, I don't get to know. You never know. I like, at this point, if you told me sincerely that the moon actually is an Ava, I might just fucking believe you. <laughs> Fuck this Well then year. I'll say no more on that. Uh, but that's it for the episode of that movie path, I guess. Yep. So, uh, you kind of asked questions as we went through, but is there any other questions you have so far? So one thing, this isn't really a question, but something I just want to 
You can ask your questions about the uh, impact as well. Yeah, sure. I'll go back and ask with the impact. Uh, but before I do, uh, I want to reconfirm the major differences. Uh, this and it's not technically a question, but I'm going to list the differences and then ask you if I have missed any major differences. So okay. uh, there's the shit going on on the moon that's obviously different. There's the introduction of Murray. There's the fact that Oscar has a slightly different name now. The Kaji's backstory and the Keep Nebuchadnezzar as opposed to Adam's embryo. Yeah, also the relationship between Kaji and Asuka is non-existent. Yeah. Um, Ray seems to be much more personable this time around. She seems to be trying to make connections with other people this time around. To be fair, I think Shinji has been more... Yeah, it might be... More going towards having a relationship with her instead of just kind of looking from afar. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's others, but nothing's coming to mind. So are there other... uh, Major differences that I'm not remembering. Oscar seems to be cool with dolls. Yeah. Technically more of a puppet than a doll. But all, uh, <laughs> Same difference. Uh, yeah, no, uh, that's fair. Uh, Alright, question the second. Let's talk about that impact and why there was four beings of light and an orb coming out of the earth that looked like maybe the black moon that should be with fucking Lilith. Or Lilith, not Lilith. And also, why it looked like there was four spears of Longinus. Was it more than just the two moons that crashed and landed on Earth this time? Did, like, five fucking moons crash and land on Earth this time? I will confirm to you there is no more than two moons. So was that Lilin's moon that came out, or was that uh, Adam's moon, or was that something else that came out during that impact? Uh, Now, this might be a bit weird, but I don't recall something coming out. I could be mistaken. I saw that there was the, you know, the explosion. I'm probably going to rewatch that scene in a couple minutes. And by that I mean I'm going to force you to rewatch this scene <laughs> with me so I can see. Uh, so what was, don't fucking gaslight me here. What was with the four spears of Plagiatus then? I guess you have to wait and see. No! <laughs> Fine. So you saying that at least lets me believe internally that an answer will be given eventually so I can accept <laughs> that. That's fair. No, that, that's really all I got for you. Please. <laughs> okay. Give me some fun facts. Yeah, no, that's my third question. I'm absorbing your period. My third question, thus making this still the question period, is what are fun facts about this episode? Uh, so we already kind of went over the thing about the angels in this one. Uh, I want to briefly touch back on the Oscar doll thing, because it's not this that Oscar seems cool with the dolls. You have to remember she was very traumatized by the concept of dolls in the past. Yes. And this one, she's just having a cool conversation. Whether she's somewhat unhinged as she's having a conversation with a puppet or not, that's up for you to decide, but she's not fearful of dolls, in the sense. I definitely think she's unhinged, because one of the things she says via the puppet is, you can't trust anyone else, you have to rely entirely on yourself, and that sounds like an unhinged thing to have a puppet say to yourself. You know, with that and the Ray with the knife thing, I think they're just setting up for these kids there's just a snap. It might be. Maybe. A little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, I guess I'll go into the Mari thing. So... Remember what I told you about the idea of what Rebuild is a couple episodes ago? Kind of, but... Where it was Anno taking the franchise, breaking it apart, and kind of putting it together, retextualized? Yes. Now, Anno believed that he could not make significant changes to the idea of the story with the pieces that were already in place, and he couldn't create anything new that would, in a sense, be able to change that, which is part of the concept of the character of Mari by adding a new element to the storyline. So he 
kind of had a story for her, but didn't want to create the character because it would have his influences, which make it very crucial to the world in a sense. Yeah. And by making uh, having someone else create the character of Mari for him, it adds a foreign element that he has to try to navigate with. That makes sense. So uh, you might not have caught on this, but Mari is supposed to be everything that Rey and Asuka is not. I have kind of caught on to that, where she's seems a lot more like she's having like doing this for the fun of it, and she seems to be a lot more positive, a lot more vocal, a lot more upfront about what's going on inside of her head. Like has glasses. Yeah. That's, <laughs> neither one of them does, I guess. Has lock no Asuka doesn't. Has yet to reveal herself inappropriately before Shinji. <laughs> uh, and uh, Asuka's German Japanese, raised Japanese, and Shima, Mari Makirami Illustrious is Japanese British. But not completely different. They still all have that Japanese brand going through them. I suppose so. Well, Shinji rather than have a lot more Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. They're 14, Peter. <laughs> I forgot, they're children. But yeah, that, that's the idea. It's not that Mari wasn't supposed to be in the story. It was him looking at ways to, uh, one of the multiple ways to add new elements to the story that weren't under his control to kind of force the story to take some alternate ways. Mari is not a part of Evangelion at all before this. So this is a new element, uh, one of many that is introduced into the franchise to kind of force some change. Uh, it's uh, kind of interesting when you put it that way because it kind of, it's almost reminiscent of, like, D&D in a way. Uh, let me explain that point. In that, like, a DM will create a whole world and write a plot for what's going on with that world, and they have control over 90% of it, but the thing that makes things happen in the world is never the plot that the DM sets up themselves, and if it was just the plot, it would always kind of come out the same way. But it's the players, it's the element that they have no control over getting introduced and trying to account for that in the world is what causes new things and interesting things to happen in drives change in the world. So That's a good way to look at it. It's, he created the world and the characters and the plot, and it's having something he didn't create being introduced into the world and him now having to account for it is what causes changes to happen in his world. Exactly. It's an interesting way to put it, and I respect his idea, and now I think of Anno as just the perfect DM. <laughs> and Mario is just a PC in a world full of NPCs. <laughs> That's an interesting way to put it. Because I guess in a sense, if you think about it, they're all kind of on predetermined paths by the just concept of the original Evangelion, and she's a fresh slate. Yeah. Or, or, new headcanon, the original Neon Genesis Evangelion was a DD campaign written by Anno, obviously. <laughs> I don't know why I'm trying to phrase this in the form of DD. Why should I bring this back to Dungeons and Dragons? Because that's my main frame of reference for understanding anything. And both Shinji and Rei represented player characters, uh, but they realized having two player characters wasn't enough, so partway through the campaign, they introduced Asuka as a third player character. And then Mari came along and was like, hey, I want to play D&D with you guys. And they're like, the campaign's over. And I was like, fuck it, I know how those characters work well enough. I'll make them NPCs create a new campaign just for you, Mari. <laughs> yeah, just to you and me a D&D session, yeah. and everyone else played their parts. Yeah. Well, that's kind of it for, because we, we ended up talking about most of the stuff through our discussion anyway, so I don't have that much fun fact stuff to go through. Yeah. Uh, so, we kind of skipped over this, but uh, going back to questions for Keith, I do have some questions from uh, people on the Instagram channel that I thought might be fun to go over. Okay. So this is more of an opinion one. 
Uh, so this is from uh, cadaver.dell.hamster on Instagram. Uh, since Shinji pilots the Ava to feel worthy, would he still pilot the Ava if he was self-confident? What do you think, Peter? I, I have an opinion on this one. I think he still would. Um, I Honestly, I think he'd be less prone to the like downward spouse that happened when he uh, does poorly or when things go wrong. What I don't think, or what I think it would majorly change is I think it would change how the plot develops as it goes on because he's not deriving all of his self-worth from piloting the Ava. He's piloting the Ava for his own reasons. Um, that being, he realizes it's the right thing to do and wants to help people, which means that instrumentality might not even come down to entirely his decision because he would be much more like everyone else on the earth and wouldn't be the one who's driving everyone away and then slowly allowing them back into his life. So I think the main way it would change is he would still pilot Ava's. He might stop uh, after the Drock C situation because he has other things that give himself worth it. That one really fucked with him physically. Yeah. Uh, so that might have been enough of a drive of like, I shouldn't do this anymore. I can get self worth from other areas. Uh, but if he did continue all the way through, I think his mentality would have gone down very differently if he had self worth outside of pilot. Yeah, and I'm the same way. I think he would definitely be piloting the Ava still. I think it would be more in line with your standard, like, show-in type mecha pilot character, who is very overconfident. So the big dick Shinji we see who gets sucked into the Dirac sack would have been the Shinji we probably had for most of it. Yeah. Kind of like making one-letter quips and all that stuff. I think, if anything, would have been enough to stop him. It probably would have been the Bardial fight. Which one's Bardial again? That's the one that Toji was in. Right, yeah. That one, I can see that. But at the same time, I don't think that would have turned out the same way. Because I think a more confident Shinji who doesn't use the Ava for self-worth would have found a way to take down Bardial while saving Toji. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that. I think he would have taken down Bardial without risking. So we wouldn't have had them have to use the dummy plug. So he would have been able to take down Bardial on his own. And he wouldn't have had the fucking dummy plugs, uh, Ava try to take out the core and crush it to pieces, killing whoever's yeah. inside. Because I think the big thing to remember is, if Shinji's self-worth, he's like confident enough that he's not tying his self-worth to being an Ava pilot, it doesn't change anything about him piloting the Ava. It more so changes his relationships with the characters around him. Yeah. And I think that ends up being like the strong base for Shinji at that point. Yeah, because people point out that the reason he pilots the Ava is to derive some sense of self-worth. But that's not entirely it. He openly admits at certain points that, like, part of the reason he's piloting the Ava is because no one else can, and the world would end if he didn't pilot the Ava. So I think he would still pilot the Ava. I think it would change a lot about the series, but I do think he would still pilot the Ava. Exactly. So this Gendo one... Gendo would probably love him. I don't know about that. That's that's a tall answer. I, I just feel like if Gendo didn't have to manipulate him into doing anything, and Gendo was just like, hey, by the way, we need you to do this, and Shinji was like... Yeah, alright, I'll do it. I feel like Gendo would respect him a lot more with that kind of attitude. Fair enough. Uh, so this is more of a question that's going to be directed towards me, but uh, this is from Mumin underscore Rider 007. The Dead Sea Scrolls were instructions to who? The Seeds of Life? If so, why? So, the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, effectively, they have... Think of them as having instructions, not so much predictions, but by doing steps of the instruction pattern, the following steps are going to happen. So, for example, the reason that Sile knew the order and the spawn rates of the angels was because after Second Impact, 
it was going to happen in that order. So it wasn't saying specifically in the year 2015, this will happen. It was once this happened, this many years after this will happen. Uh, they also had details on how instrumentality works, the purposes of the spears, and so on and so forth. I disagree. Dead Sea Scrolls, written by Lilith, for Lilith. It's just like, ah, <laughs> oh, fuck, shit's about to go down. Let me take out my long quill and prepare notes for my Lilith children, because fucking shit's gonna get problematic in the near future, and I need to prepare for that. Considering she also hit the Earth when she wasn't supposed to, we can only assume she was probably drunk while doing this. Yeah. But yeah, effectively, it wasn't so much that the scrolls were meant for a specific person. It was pretty much just a document of everything. Yeah. This is how things can happen in order for things to happen. So, essentially, CLA took advantage of that. It's like, if that's how things would happen, let's assume that's how things are going to happen. Uh, and this last one is not so much a question, but just something I thought was fun and we should share. Uh, this was uh, uh, from uh, on Instagram. It's dot just medio. Uh, and it was a theory they had. And it has to do with uh, the ethereal ghost ray we see at the beginning of the franchise. And his theory is, he likes to think that Gendo dropped Ray off on the street where Shinji was. And as he looks up, spooked by the bird, she just runs out of frame. So someone who also believes that Gendo so is just fucking with Shinji, and I love it. Yeah, I fully appreciate the idea of, like, Gendo, like, dropping her off. Not even, like, when Shinji's there. Gendo, like, dropping her off, like, an hour beforehand. He's like, I know Shinji's gonna come to this phone trying to contact, uh, Ray when the time comes. Or not Ray, trying to contact Misato when the time comes. I need you to wait here. And then, like, she's just standing in the street. She sees him walk up. She's staring at him. And then Shinji looks over, sees her, gets spooked by birds, and Ray's immediately like, alright, fuck, book it out to, like, behind this building where he can't see me anymore. <laughs> How do you know Shinji's gonna show up? Oh, trust me, I put Misato on it. She'll definitely seduce him to here. The best part about this theory is that we see Ray like a couple hours later and she's covered in bandages, which means either she's injured while standing there, but Gay doesn't <laughs> but Gendo doesn't want to ruin the illusion, so he takes off all her bandages. It's like I know you're in immense pain, but it only works if you're unbandaged. If you're bandaged, he's gonna have more questions. Uh, and then or the alternative is that she's not actually that injured, she's fully healed at this point. And Gendo just wraps her in bandages when she gets back to the base just to fuck with Shinji. Or, better answer, because Satchel was attacking with at this point. So what if she got injured because of the Satchel attack? Or, in her uh, means to get herself out of frame, she hurt herself really badly. Yeah. <laughs> like she just yeets herself off a bridge. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like she was next to a like cliff on one side. It was buildings on the right and like cliff on the left. And she's just like, I can't make it to the building. I gotta yeet myself off this cliff. <laughs> It was a good bit, Ray, but I don't need to put you back in the robot if Shinji doesn't get in. <laughs> oh, no, that, I agree. That's, that's a great theory. <laughs> so with this, uh, what are your thoughts on the first half, 2.22? I feel confusion inside my soul, but otherwise it's great. Yep. It's definitely uh, a much more uh, fun version of the current events in the Evangelion series. Yeah. A and the characters, I feel like, play off each other a lot better. Uh... There's still that lingering space, which does happen in the Evangelion series, but I feel like there's less of it, but not to the point where it's like, the story, the message in a sense has changed, I guess, the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's telling the same story, but in a very different way is how I would phrase it. With new elements. Yeah, and I'm interested to see how those elephants shake elephants. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought mean, we weren't like, going to bring up the elephant in the room. 
I'm interested to see how these elephants that are going to be introduced, presumably, uh, end up changing things. Would you like to hear how I think they're going to change things, Keith? We'll get there in a moment. Uh, but I think we'll wrap up the episode here. Uh, so if you'd like to reach out, you can always message us at whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com with questions or comments. They might get read out here on the podcast. On top of that, you can follow us uh, each Wednesday. We put up the episode on podcasting platforms and YouTube. And, of course, you can uh, like, favorite, review, share it with a friend. Word of mouth is always the best. We've had a lot of uh, progress in the viewer base of this one uh, as we've shot up quite a bit. Uh, also, you can join us on the Instagram page. Uh, there we have our daily updates on different things about the series, going into a bit more further ideas on theories and just concepts that aren't fully fleshed out in the series. We also have weekend polls where people can vote on things. And we tend to have questions answered pretty quickly on there as well. So make sure to follow. And as always, Peter, what can we expect next time on Neon Genesis Evangelion? Alright, so my early prediction was that both Ray and Oscar were going to die to make room for the new girl. That's not going to happen. Ray's an angel. Oscar on her own is going to die while piloting Unit 2, making room for Murray. Uh, and Shinji's going to get a little bit fucked up by the fact that Oscar died while he was perhaps responsible for protecting. That's what we're going to see that happen in like 20 minutes. Well, make sure to tune in next time, and I promise there'll be plenty of fan service.